0: And bye. Hello and welcome to the Lacadaisical Liberal And now your host, Jordan Maywood. Hello, welcome to the Liberal Cube. My name is Jordan Maywood and I am the Lacadaisical Liberal Today is Book Bo Wednesday. Yay, Bucks. My favorite of all things that I put into my head. (laughs) Yes. Mm. Although maybe, um, food. Food's pretty nice too, putting in my head. Good, good and tasty. Uh, Q tips. Sometimes that feels nice. Uh, finger up the nose. Also, pretty good. (laughs) But books. Number one. Uh, I like to say at the top of every show that there will be spoilers. Most. Definitely knit to the leave. So you have been warned. Spoiler, warning, robot engaged, powering down. Uh, also like to say that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. No, that is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is that perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend and we grow this baby. Grow it like a little podcast baby. Aw, Gucci Coochie Q. Today's sponsor is a book. Huh, that's crazy. (laughs) Book sponsor and a book Wednesday. Jeez. Uh, It is the sequel to uh, To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. Huh. It is called Free Kill a Mockingbird, colon, Ghost Protocol*. Once again, today's sponsor is Three Kill a Mockingbird: colon, Ghost Protocol. Thank you, uh, Doug Benson, for that uh, sponsor. <clears throat> if you have been following along with my past five Book of Wednesdays, you will know I am chugging along. Uh, much like Blaine the Mono, through the Dark Tower series by Mr. Stephen King. Yay, this friggin' series is so, so awesome. Loving it so much. Somehow, and uh, if you are a reader, and I hope you are, let me know uh, if you get this vibe too. The vibe of when you have a good book, or I think even more, a good book series on the go, does life just not seem a little better? Am I crazy in in that thought? All right. Move over. Move over, lady. Let me know. Just passing a slow little old lady. Nothing to worry about. Uh, In the effort to get a little audience participation, let me know what your favorite book series is. You can do so at the email address provided in the closing credits. I would love to hear from you. Uh... And maybe just let me know what you think of the show. So, good stuff for everyone. So, obviously, since uh, last Book Wednesday, I reviewed Book 5 of the Dark Tower series. This week, I am, of course, reviewing Book 6. It's like, uh, what do you call, uh, chronological. That's the uh, the order I read it. You know what else I do? Left to right. Book six of the Dark Tower series is called Song of Susanna. Why did I say it weird? Susanna. 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 Susanna? Susanna. 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 Uh, Susanna. Uh, something I want to point out about this bu- uh, this series so far that I don't know if it's interesting or not, but I'm going to point it out anyways. The first book was like 100-200 pages, it was pretty short, uh, and then the books seemed to get longer and longer until they were like, averaging 600 pages. And then this book was only 300 pages. Uh, I have since started book seven, which is like 700 pages. And the remaining book, I have no idea how long it is. So, I don't know. What's, what's the deal with that? So this book, uh, did an interesting thing in that, uh, it took the group, the Katat, of Eddie, Susanna, Roland, Jake, and OI! And split them apart. Oh man. This uh, this group of people is sort of, when together, are like unstoppable. So I think it was smart of uh, Stephen King to split them up for a time to make them a little more vulnerable to the world and add that extra level of excitement that is very, very prevalent in this book. Very exciting. Uh, despite being, I think the fact that it is 300 pages makes it seem. Um, much more fast, hard-paced, which, uh, yeah, that makes sense. So the group is, uh, I think a, a cool way to look at it is sort of split up and, and uh, maybe lost is not the right word, but I'm going to say it anyways. Lost in space-time. Lost in space, lost in time, lost in space-time.
1: Sort of like,
0: uh, wasn't there, if I do recall, some episodes of Doctor Who where the TARDIS was, like, uh, malfunctioning? And could not exactly steer it, so they sort of got lost in space time. Do I remember that correctly? I don't know. So Susanna and uh, Mia traveled to 1999 New York. Who's Mia? Um, I don't do much in the way of backtracking into previous books, just because a you may be reading along with me, which would be really cool, and b. If you're not, you have the previous podcast to listen along with that you could backtrack into. So Mia is um, one of Susanna's uh, personalities. She, from the very beginning, was a split personality of uh, Deda and Odetta. Once those two personalities were sort of melded into one, she she became, uh, in essence, Susanna, Susanna Dean. Um, Then, once she was um, impregnated, this um, third or fourth, depending on how you look at it, personality sort of emerged. Mia, daughter of Nun, who is kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of the mother of the quote-unquote baby that she is carrying. Hmm. She, I should mention, is white, whereas Susanna is black. She, I should mention, has legs, whereas Susanna does not. So, uh, something really cool they did was, they meaning Stephen King did, um, was when Mia is in control of, uh, let's just say, the body, she will have legs, white legs. So that's pretty crazy. If you ever saw a um, black woman walking around with white legs, you'd probably go, hey, that's pretty crazy. Hey, there goes Susanna slash Mia, you would say, if you had uh, read these books. She used the uh, black wizard's glass to travel to this space-time, and then because she brought it with her, the door closed behind her. Oh, no. The door used to travel. So, uh, because it was closed, Roland and Eddie and Jake and Father Callahan had to find a sort of alternate means to open it and travel. Uh, they used a group of sort of how they're described, described—they're kind of monk-like. Uh, you know what? Now that I think about it, it's sort of like time monks from um, the Discworld series. Huh. Sort of similar to that because they travel through times and where's and when's, so that's interesting. Accompanying this wizard glass, she found in the bag also a a turtle figurine. A figurine in the shape of a turtle, basically, which she can use to basically control people, sort of brainwash uh, and get them to do her bidding. So that was a cool little tool at her disposal. It's almost like uh, the turtle is, it also acts as kind of a if you are a Dr. Who fan, which I obviously am since I'm bringing it up once again, uh, he has something called psychic paper, which is basically just like uh, usually used as like a badge or a security ID or whatever. Uh, it just looks like a blank piece of paper. However, when he shows it to people, they see what he wants them to see. For example, like a uh, say he was going to a concert. <laughs> if Doctor Who ever goes to a concert and wants to get backstage, he'll just show this blank piece of paper and be like, oh, here's my backstage pass. And then the uh, the bouncer guy will be like, all right, uh, head right in, Doctor Who, to this concert, he would say. She, we learn, and this is a spoiler, but I warned you, and this is even a double warning because it's a big spoiler. She is pregnant. We know that. She's pregnant with... Long pause for drama, long pause complete, with Roland's goddamn child. How is that possible? They did not have sex. I'd like to underline that. Uh, if you remember from, I believe it was the first book, possibly the second book. I think the first book. Uh, Roland had sex with the uh, demon oracle smoke creature thing. I think that was even kind of the name of the title of the podcast episode I did. Something along those lines. So he had sex with this in order to save Jake. Don't ask me to explain that. Uh, It did make sense at the time, now that I'm saying it. It sounds crazy. Uh, So this demon-y thing sort of kept and preserved his sperm. Hmm. Then, a couple of books later, when uh, Jake was crossing over from our world to Roland's, Uh, There was another demon, this time in the form of a male demon. Huh? Huh? You see where I'm going with this? It was the same demon, however, in different sort of shapes. Transformed, if you will. In order to protect Jake while he crossed over Susanna, had to have sex with this demon that had had sex with Roland, that had preserved his sperm, that put it into Susanna and got her pregnant. Now... It's not just like a friggin' turkey baster. It is also a demon. <laughs> so, as you can imagine, this baby, uh, we don't know yet at this point, has the potential to be pretty, pretty badass. And not badass, in a good way, badass in a demon-y way. Demon spawn, basically, is never good. Will it be good? We don't know yet. Uh, Roland and Eddie travel to 1977 Maine, to talk with Calvin Tower. Calvin Tower, who I believe we mentioned last episode, is in possession of the vacant lot. The vacant lot in which exists a rose, a rose which exists uh, that has a sort of glowing petal uh, ambiance. Yeah, that makes sense, I think. That sort of leads us to believe that this... Rose is what is holding the universe together. Wow. Mind equals blown! Strangely enough, Roland and Eddie are sort of the most, um, I guess you would say, like, badass of this group. This time I mean badass and good and cool and good fighters and things like that. Uh, they are the, they are the most badass of this group, yet do the least amount of action. They're sort of, uh, in this world. Uh, in this time in order to buy the vacant lot. So it's almost like a lot of friggin' legal shit. Like, all right, let's draw up a a bill of sale. Let's sign it. Oh, it's got to be witnessed. and Which is kind of surprising. A little more drawn out, I think, than it had to be. So on paper, at least, in that when, in that where, they have a bill of sale for the vacant lot, and therefore the Rose. Yay, them. Um, mentioned in the last book that Father Callahan from Stephen King's book Salem's Lot uh, is in this series. How does that happen? Well, uh, why don't Roland and Eddie go to meet Stephen King? I said that sentence very clipped. So you would really get the full impact that Roland and Eddie, while in this area of Maine, decide to pop on by and visit Stephen King. What the fuck? This is the sort of mind-blowing how, what, why, where, when, who, with, not words uh, that I love. Stephen King, um, we learn, was writing Roland's story and had sort of completed the first book of this series, The Gunslinger, and then had kind of given up and put the novels away and decided... Uh, he didn't want to write it anymore. However, Eddie and Roland, uh, A, convince him, and B, sort of hypnotize him into continuing on with writing that story, which is basically their story. So Stephen King is writing their story, which uh, is sort of mind-blowing in that and curious in that got me thinking that, is he going to reach a point where... Uh, He starts writing about him getting hypnotized, uh, and into writing more of this story. Just crazy shit, man. Uh, Father Callahan, Jake, and Oy uh, pop into 1999 New York in search of Susanna because they have to save her. They uh, first of all retrieve the Black Wizard glass, which they um, put in like a locker. Uh, long-term storage locker, so that's sort of forgotten for the time being. Uh, Susanna has made her way to a uh, restaurant called the Dixie Pig. The Dixie Pig, um, which is basically um, where demons go to grub. (laughs) So uh, it's full of low men, um, which are sort of individuals working for the Crimson King, who's sort of the uber bad guy of this series. Uh, also filled with vampires, uh, people, things called the tahin, which are like kind of human-animal hybrids, sort of. Basically, not a place you want to go. She's brought there by her alternate ego, Mia, to give birth to her uh, demon-spawn baby, Jake. And Father Callahan also travel there to rescue her. Yay! Within this building are... So with, within this building that they have to sort of wade through are 175 men, women, things that they have to somehow get through in order to save Susanna, who not only um, is in this building, but sort of traveled through this building to another of those magical, mystical doorways that took her to an alternate universe. Uh, yes, not good. So, since I'm close to work, I think I can finish this off by saying that uh, this book ends with, with some uh, big cliffhangers. First is uh, Roland and Eddie, the least cliffhangery, uh, have talked with Stephen King and had sort of gone their separate ways and were traveling to an area of Maine where it was sort of uh, thin as far as reality is concerned. So they thought they could use that thinness in reality to travel to uh, meet up with Jake and Callahan and Susanna and the 1999 New York, all right? So that's them. Uh, Mia and Susanna had somehow physically split apart. So Susanna was back to her um, black, no-legged no-pregnancy self, Uh, and Mia was split apart from that, using both magic and technology, Uh, I like that mixture, Uh, and was in serious labor. So there's that. Then, last, but I think certainly the least least, is Father Callahan and uh, Jake and Oi were about to enter the Dixie Pig in order to save Susanna. Sort of, they were at the doorstep. So, crazy, crazy, good, good, love it, love it, love you, and also, it is nice to be nice to the nice. Oh, ah, shit, rating. Well, you know what, I said last episode that every one of these books is going to get 5 out of 5, so does this one, yay. Nice to be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening this has been another edition of the Lacadaisical LibraCubical Wrist. We here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us you can do so via the email address, mailwood.jordan at gmail.com. And now I have a theory.